The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory, and the NFL Draft is in our rearview mirror, and now we have... What to look forward to? I don't 2021 know. Twenty twenty-one draft, baby. Maybe we might be we might be doing a twenty-one draft teaser pretty quick here, but we're still here to help uh, to help entertain you in this time. And uh, speaking of helping you, helping entertain you, my dear pals, first find them all on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Have you recovered from the draft week yet? So Devonta Smith, Justin Ross. <laughs> Just, okay, sorry. You said in the future we're going to do a preview of the 2021 draft. Okay. No, I'm doing good. I'm still recovering. I, I was pretty dead to the world yesterday coming off of it. But yesterday, you know, I love the draft as much as anybody else, but I'm cool with listening and watching day three while on the move, while I'm being mobile. So I, I got recouped yesterday and today. Felt good. Spent most of my day outside catching up on sleep. I'm doing good. I know our very own Renaissance man was out in the wilderness building things from scratch today how are you doing craig you guys are in my head so much and i have no idea what day it is and the draft (laughs) is over and i don't know what to do with myself so i'm actually building a garden right now because you guys have teased me so much about it (laughs) i'm just leaning into the bit it's happening craig has shaved his mustache too it's true the renaissance man has shaved his mustache and this is just so weird to see him like this. I've never seen the man clean shaven. Uh, it's just a, it's a whole adventure. Um, okay, so it's it's mailbag day and it is all draft related uh, as it should be. Uh, we're finally kind of getting to hear from you guys on some of your questions about this draft class. We're going to start with a five star review question. Uh, DC Cheese fan asks, can LDT play center? I don't know. I'm going to lean towards no just because he was so raw and untechnically refined when he came into the NFL. It took him like two and a half, three years to even have adequate footwork. And I would still say he's just adequate in terms of a technical player. He's just very athletic, so it helps make up for it. You could try to teach him how to snap and do all that, and maybe that is an option. I just haven't seen anything that makes me think that he can. I also don't know about LDT being the complete communicator for all of the protection calls along the Chiefs offensive line. All right, let's jump ahead and into the the Twitter questions now. And okay, just full disclosure, we had a lot of questions about the UDFAs. 
Um, we had a lot of questions that were kind of like, we had a lot of similar questions, just period. A lot about UDAs, but all UDFAs, but also there was a lot of Mike Dana questions. <laughs> it like a lot. People want to know so, about the man, the man, the, myth, wanna, the legend, Mike Dana. And I think, I think people are a little like, I think there's a little bit of like upset. People are a little upset about the Mike Dana pick. So let's, we're going to talk through all this. And we've been, before we even jumped on the pod, we spent a little bit time talking about Mike Dana and watching some clips. But anyways, KJH3172 asks, is is Mike Dana the next Breland Speaks or Breland Speaks 2.0? No, guys. Guys, I, I, I don't want to... Like, look, this is a fifth round pick. This is not trading up to the top 50 to, it, to acquire a player. It's a fifth round pick. I have never seen a fan base be so upset about a fifth <laughs> round pick. I get it. The rest of the draft class was great, but a fifth round pick. Go ahead, Ken. No, it's great. No, and, and it's okay. I just, you know, I, I, let's give let's give Mike Dana some grace. The odds are stacked against him anyway as a fifth round pick. I think there's you have no major investment in him. You didn't make him the face of your draft class. I mean, Breland Speaks was the face of the draft class in a trade-up. So, you know, I'm not trying to throw any... I'm not trying to, trying to throw Breland Speaks under the bus more than I need to. Uh, Wichita Chiefs, Sam. Here's some Dana love. Does my guy, Mike Dana, the boogeyman of all offensive tackles in the MAC, have the potential to one day be a good role or to have a good role in the Chiefs defense, Maddie? I mean, like... I- He's certainly the boogeyman of whoever Maine's offensive tackle is because like that one game against Maine consisted of like 20% of his sacks at Central Michigan. So like I I don't know if he was tormenting every offensive tackle, but he definitely beat up on Maine. Um, <laughs> yeah, but potential to have one day have a good role. Yeah, one day, I think so. Here's the thing. We just watched a lot of Mike Dana right before this podcast started because we were a little unsure of what to think. I think none of us were super high on the pick. We're struggling to understand the fit of a small, stocky defensive end that isn't really a polished pass rusher, but not particularly big enough to be a run stuffer. And we found across a couple things. He apparently played about 240 pounds at Central Michigan, and he absolutely looked more explosive at 240 pounds. At Michigan, he was up between 260, maybe even up to 270, and it showed he had trouble turning. He looked thicker. He had trouble just closing distance on Brian Lewerke of all unathletic specimens to play quarterback ever. So I think there's hope. It depends on what he's going to do. I do wonder. I said originally, I don't think he has any chance to move to Sam because he just doesn't move like it. Knowing that he put on between 20 and 30 pounds from when he was playing better and looking a little more athletic to what we saw at Michigan, I think there's still a chance for him to play Sam a little bit. And I think that's where his best value would come in at. Yeah. And at the East West Shrine game, Brendan Daly talked a lot about that. Every time he's brought up uh, Mike Danner, had to talk about Mike Danner in the last 48 hours here. He's brought up that East West. Shrine game. He played then around 257 pounds. So a little bit lighter and he looked better. He looked a little more explosive. Guys, I cannot state how poor of an athlete he looked like at Michigan. He struggled to run. He just looked very upright, very short striding. He looked very labored. And you heard us talk on a previous podcast. He's a 477 type athlete. He's got a 42 inch vertical at Central Michigan. This is an explosive athlete, and yet you turn on the tape at Michigan, you don't see that. Now, 
At Central Michigan, he looks more explosive. Not not maybe that level of explosive, but he certainly looks more explosive. So I do think that he could carve out a role, but I think that it's going to just kind of be get him in house, figure out what he's most comfortable with and figure out what you know, what weight, what body type, everything like that, that he can conform to, to fit what Brendan Daly, Steve Spagnuolo want to do here. Cause it's very obvious that Brendan Daly's incredibly high on this pick. I am fascinated to see what's ultimately going to happen with, with one Mike Dana. I don't know, you know, like I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables in play here and it starts with, you know, like Brendan Daly said, what, what you do well. What does he do well? What is he going to do well at the next level? What kind of weight does it require him to play to do that at the next level? I there's I there's a lot of variables in play. It seemed like a very Belichickian statement by Brendan Daly to say we're just going to play you with like where you play well and like we're going to find a, a fit for you with what you do well. I find that very interesting. Uh, very Belichickian. It's like we're just gonna we're gonna do what we're gonna play to your strengths. Uh, Maddie, you had an interesting comp. Uh, yeah. for Dana. And it was perfect that you guys kind of talking about Daly and how much he was kind of hyped up for the pick and talking Belichickian here because here's kind of what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Mike Dana and I'm seeing a guy that plays a little defensive end right now and they've mentioned him there. I think there's a chance he could kick off to Sam if he loses a little bit of weight. Just want to see him be a little bit more athletic. Rob Ninkovich, six foot three, 260 pounds, 31 inch arms. Seems very similar measurables wise to Mike Dana. He's a guy that for the New England Patriots, for Brendan Daly, for Bill Belichick, played a little D end, played a little off ball linebacker. And now they were in a three, four. So it was a little bit different at times, but you think about how Spags has used uh, his Sam linebacker before in the past, not just last year, but with the giants before both times, you could see that kind of role for him. Just a little D end outside linebacker combo. I like his ability to play the run, especially in that role a whole, lot he has the potential to put his hand in the dirt and rush i just wonder if that's on the table just because the physical profile and kind of how he plays is a run stopping first defensive end despite the stocky shorter size it just kind of reminded me a lot of rob ninkovich yeah that's a weird it's a weird statement you just made but yeah there's a lot of i mean like we gotta have a lot of imagination for this pick burt wilkinson asks, do all of the Chiefs draft, draft picks make the 53? And if not, who misses it? I believe it's a 55-man roster technically now because you can call up two practice squatters. But anyways, that's a, that's beyond besides the point. Anyways. Yeah, they're all making it. Uh, frankly, the, the corners that they drafted at the end are both going to make it. Uh, they need bodies in that cornerback room. Mike Dana is loved by Brendan Daly, so I think he's going to make it. Like, I, I just think that he's going to be a pet project for Daly at the very worst there. And so I think he might be a guy that gets carried along as a sub rusher, maybe a little bit, and they try and develop him. Those are realistically the only guys that wouldn't make the 53 barring an injury. So I, I just think that those are I, I think they're keeping all of them. I think there's a good chance they do. I do wonder if maybe one of the two corners, probably Thakarius Keys, I think he's a little farther away from being ready to play than Legarius Sneed is. Maybe you get that mystery kind of IR late in the season or something like that. I do think what's more interesting is how this affects some other players in the roster with Tim Ward, Breland Speaks, Damone Harris, and now Mike Dana kind of all fighting for a similar role unless Dana is kicking out to linebacker. Like, I think you could see some other young guys that haven't proven a lot yet be on the bubble based on some of these draft picks. 
I think Mike Dana has the best chance of not making this football team. And if it's just that they can't figure something out with him and he doesn't really show up in any way, shape, or form that they really feel confident uh, in developing further and he might wind up on the practice squad, maybe that's the case. But I, I, I think that's the guy that has a chance of not making the 53. Bo Pete Keys to some extent too. Uh, but I... I, I think he's gonna. I think I think he'll stick. I do think he'll stick. D Johnston twenty nine asks early favorites from the undrafted free agent class. Maddie, I think my favorite one is gonna be Rodney Clemens, safety out of SMU. He's kind of like if anybody remembers last year, I talked a lot about safety at a temple named Delvin Randall, guy with great instinct or pretty good instincts. He's willing to deliver a big hit, great ball skills, just a playmaker and leader all over the field rolls into the combine and runs a 4-7, which is just borderline not capable of being on the NFL field. But if you can figure out the game mentally fast enough, you can be a sub-package safety. And I just love the way he plays the game from just the ball hawking, playmaking, big hit delivering standpoint. Just that 4-7-1, you got to be reacting instantly for that speed not to bite you. Man, I got like three or four favorites from this UDFA class. It's, I love it. It's, it's I love it. Awesome. Um, I'm going to take the guy that's uh, the highest in the KC draft guide, uh, Lavert Hill. Uh, we had him pretty high up in our, our cornerback rankings. He's a smaller corner. He doesn't have a lot of speed either. So he's going to be a little bit limited there out of the slot. But he is so smart. He understands route distribution so well. It allows him to break on things and kind of mitigate some of his lack of athleticism. And then he's aggressive. Like, he is tough. This man will stick his nose into absolutely any encounter that there is. He's going to try and take on Derrick Henry on the outside with just reckless abandon. It's it's he might have a short career because of it, but definitely <laughs> a player that I liked watching a lot. So that's why I kind of had him up there pretty high on the KC draft guide. Hashtag championship swagger. Yeah, no, I, I probably would have gone with Levert Hill too. Um, but one of the guys I'm fascinated by, and they're like, again, you've got Levert Hill, you've got um, Javaris Davis, you've got Daryl Williams, and you've got this guy, Yasir Durant, the tackle out of Missouri, top 150 for us in the KC Draft Guide. Interesting enough, Brett Veach talked about moving him inside to guard. The Chiefs ponied up a little bit of money. I believe it was $150,000 to get Yasir Durant. They're going to try to move him inside, 6'7", 330. Kind of heavy-footed, uh, but I think he's an interesting projection because he's so big, and he's just a, he's a massive human being, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty fascinated to see, you know, how that transition goes. Let me just, as the, you know, as the president of the Lottery Tickets fan club, I love what the Chiefs have done in undrafted free agency. They've been so aggressive with only five picks. They've been very aggressive. They went and made sure that Bo Pete Keys didn't hit undrafted free agency by surrendering a six-round pick next year. Then they go out and they've paid Yasir Durant and Daryl Williams and Lavert Hill. And who else am I missing? They paid someone else, Kalijah Lipscomb. Uh, I believe they've paid they've paid all four of those guys over a hundred thousand dollars to come play for this football team. I love it. 
I think it's I think it's fantastic. I think this is smart of them to, you know, try to, you know, build this roster, build the depth, build the competition, um, and keep churning to try to fix problems for this football team because you know what? They have to hit on a couple of these lottery tickets for twenty twenty one. Daryl Williams and Yasir Durant sticking would be real nice for this football team here in 2021. Um, you know, a, a Lavert Hill maybe making this football team in some way, shape, or form. Or Javaris Davis. Fat, or I mean, Javaris Davis. Listen, D- Javaris Davis, if he gets the middle side figured out, he that man can run. He is yeah. blazing fast. Like he's got physical attributes. It, it just – Brett Veach does such a good job with a limited number of picks in the draft – of hitting it out of the park in UDFA. It should yeah. give you faith going forward here that if the Chiefs got rid of all their day three picks, they're still going to get the equivalent of a bunch of day three picks in UDFA because Weird. they pony up for it. Weird. It's almost like somebody's been saying that for years. <laughs> hmm. Jimmy J, 555. Might be fun to see or hear a rewrite of Javaris Sneed as a cornerback prospect. That's uh, and I think we've we've all kind of got eyes on him at cornerback, right? Okay. Yeah, th- Craig. That's that's tier one Cbat uh, Javaris. <laughs> um, he Legarius. Legarius. Thank you. I I got I had Javaris stuck. We on said my head Javaris. From Javaris. I know. Davis. Oh, Legarius. Javaris. The carries. Got that in Craig's head. Oh, man, it's been a long <laughs> weekend. He's, yes, it has. He is uh, explosive, fast, long, ball skills. If he was a cornerback, he would be significantly way up there on our rankings. But we graded him as a safety, and we were talking about it right before we came on here and podcasted. All of us that kind of remembered him as a safety was very poor. Like it, 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 He just struggled badly at safety. Now... Him on the outside, him having limited routes to have to read, you know, playing him out there, allowing him to be physical at the line of scrimmage because he can press, disrupt things and still have the ability to stay on top of the route a little bit because he's got that speed and he's got that length. I I would love, love, love if he got some early shakes, just kind of sorting some stuff out. We saw Steve Spagnuolo at the beginning of last year give some of the younger guys a few reps just to try and get them on the field when some of these games were out of reach. I want to see Legereus need on the field early just to get him accustomed to the game because I think his potential is is just fantastic. I mean, he you are going to get on Arrowhead Pride, you guys are going to get a full film review of Legereus Sneed and I think it's probably going to be just as a cornerback, not a lot as a safety. I feel pretty confident the Chiefs are going to give him a go there at this point in time. So there will be a film review of him coming from 2018 when he played cornerback. We have really good, you know, all 22 film of that. We can give you guys everything. So that is coming. I Maybe somebody will have the uh, desire to rewrite another profile for him going forward. Maybe not, but there will at least be a film review coming on Airhead Brad as a corner. Yeah, I I got I, I we watched a little bit of Snead at cornerback, like we said, around the time the draft guide released. There was buzz that Snead might be moving to corner. We all got eyes on him, I believe, then. <laughs> and and then I, I watched some more this week, yesterday, when the pick was announced and I, I don't know why they moved him to safety. Because Amik had to stay at corner, you guys. 
Oh. Listen, this is the second time you've tried to slander Amik Robertson, who has been <laughs> one of the best corners for two years in all of college football. Of course, you do not move him to a new position. While, yes, he's going to play there in the NFL, he was one of the best uh, cornerbacks in all of college football. I was just very happy that he went day three so I could feel justified when everybody was talking about him as a round two corner very late in the process there. Legereus went before him. I mean, I, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I I am very intrigued by Legereus Sneed. Me too. The more and more I watch him. Yes. I think he's he looks so much more comfortable outside. I think he's got a better understanding of concepts when he's looking from the outside in. Um, competitive toughness, really great ability to close on the football, physical at the line of scrimmage, willing tackler is going to be a great special teamer right off the bat. I, I, I'm really excited about his prospects. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will be back with more questions right after this. All right, continuing our mailbag questions on the first AP Laboratory after the draft. Tom Childs, our dear pal over at Arrowhead Pride. When will you guys start looking at 2021 prospects? Probably pretty quick here, honestly. Um, <laughs> I'm on the supplemental draft. I think there's a chance you get some early entrance in the supplemental draft of like quality players this year. Yeah. So we may be forced into it, you know, hold a gun to my head on that one to watch. Oh, players. no. We've got to watch Devontae Smith tape. Oh, no. Oh, this man. is the worst. What am I going to do? Oh, man. We got to watch Dylan Moses tape. Oh, no. Oh. oh. I just blew Kent's mind. Dude. Right there. <laughs> oh, man. This could be wild. Could be wild. Uh, I, yeah. But like, we'll probably. My goal is to maybe start a little bit earlier in 2021 this year um okay the real case swag asks any chance as the chiefs bring in logan ryan i mean you can't eliminate it because the corners that they added to this group still need seasoning i think that they could play logan ryan in the slot i don't think that that would be a bad move overall to happen here but i don't know that i'd necessarily want to sacrifice it on a one-year deal when the chiefs need these swings to hit uh, if they got these guys in and they realized, okay, yeah, no, this isn't going to work and they can kind of get a good feel of it early, that absolutely Logan Ryan needs to be here and I would pay him multi-years. But Brett Veach doesn't seem to like these older prospects, so I would expect it to be on a one-year deal if it was and I just don't want to stifle growth of anybody that's on the roster. You know, I, I'm excited about this cornerback room. Don't get rid of the excitement for me. Simply put, I think the Chiefs feel comfortable with their two outside corners, and that's how many cornerbacks they play right now. I do think there is still a hole is the slot defender opposite of Tyron Matthew. That was kind of Kendall Fuller last year. So Logan Ryan would obviously slide into that role and be excellent. I just don't know if they're kind of looking to spend that kind of money for that role. And I said, I don't know if they're looking to replace Breland or Ward on the outside right now. So I just don't see them making a big splash for a corner, especially after all the defensive backs they brought in on day three and his undrafted free agents. I want to see what these young guys are up to. I don't want them to sign a, a, a veteran corner. I'm not even sure I want them to keep Antonio Hamilton. And if Dave Tobe gets in the way of that happening, if they have to cut the carrier's keys because Dave Tobe wants to keep Antonio Hamilton, I'm going to be furious. Not really. But 
I want to see these young guys. I want to see these guys get an opportunity. I want to see the Chiefs develop these cornerbacks. Let's see what kind of chops Sam Madison has here. I'm anxious to see what this group can do. I think that they can do a lot because I think this, the cornerback group, the the guys that they you know you saw, like I thought Rashad Fenton grew a lot. I think the athletic profiles of guys like you know Legereus Sneed and uh, and Bo Pete Keys are much more fascinating to me than than a guy like Rashad Fenton. So I'm I'm very excited to see this group. Don't don't bring in anybody else. We good. Uh, Captain Denny uh, asks, are there any remaining veteran free agents you would be interested in bringing in to fill a hole? I actually have a handful, so I'm going to let you guys go first so that I can just maddie it up at the end. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, find a way to make it work. Find a way to structure some contracts because they have a giant hole at defensive end. I know we talked about Mike Dana, but we're not sure where he's going to play. Defensive end is still a big need. I would love to have Clowney here. Just load up on another run defender and just grab snacks. (laughs) I, I love that. I would love that. Snacks Harrison, one-year deal. Just just see what's up with him. In the same mold as Clowney, I think you have to throw Everson Griffin into that exact same conversation. Same thing. It's a veteran kind of pass rusher, defensive end that could play across from Frank Clark and maybe get you an extra year or something on there. But some other guys I was thinking of going back to that slot role across from Tyron Matthew, maybe Tony Jefferson, if you can find him for cheap. He's maybe not the best man cover guy, but he gives you another box safety that has the ability to cover tight ends or or some bigger wide receivers in the slot. Or Tedrick Thompson, again, another safety, a little bit better man skills not near as much of a tackler as Jefferson but in that Kendall Fuller role I think you could definitely make some use out of those guys especially if you can find them cheap and I think it's a position the Chiefs haven't really filled yet Jet Chip Wasp which player does AP believe will have the biggest impact in the next season I'm assuming he's talking about the draft I think it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire I think he's going to be the day one impact guy Um, I think he'll jump right in For me, I think that the draft is a lot more future-based than I think a lot of people want to consider right now. I think there's a good chance that only Willie Gay and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire get significant playing time this year. Maybe Lucas Nyang does win a job on the inside, but I'm hoping he stays at developing a tackle. And if that's the case, I mean, you're picking between two players, essentially, and I would have to agree. It's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because he's the most ready right now. It's Willie Gay Jr. because I don't have to watch slow linebackers anymore. (laughs) KC Kim guy, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was better than taking a wide receiver round one. His selection actually expands the playbook as opposed to third or fourth string wide receiver. Why don't people see this, Maddie? I I don't know if I agree with that entirely. I think that if you had a wide receiver that could come in right away and take snaps away from McCole Hardman, which I think you very easily could have found at the end of the first round. I think that probably helps even a little bit more. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not just a pure runner. He is going to come in. He is going to run the ball very well and be effective as a receiver. I do think that it's a safer transit or it's a safer transition from college to the NFL for a running back as opposed to a wide receiver going into Andy Reid's offense. This is a move that makes a ton of sense for 2020. I just don't know if I can ever say a running back is definitely better than a wide receiver for an offense. Yeah, I I don't know to what extent I'll go with that. But at the same time, Clyde is not a typical running back. You're not going to have to hand him the ball 25 times a game to get production out of him. He's going to impact the game in 
every single facet and he's not going to leave the field. I've seen a lot of discussion and a lot of argument about, you know, why would you take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands? Well, you don't necessarily have to any more than you, you are going to anyway. So you're putting a better player on the field for the times that you do take it out of his hands and giving him another option in the passing game that is an excellent mover of the chains. I think the piece of this this question I agree with is I do think it expands the playbook a little bit because I do think it allows, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's not, you're not tipping your hand. Oh, here comes Daryl Williams. I wonder what they're doing. You know, I, I think you can keep Clyde on the field at all times uh, and it gives you a little bit more, um, you know, flexibility there. It gives Andy, you know, a little bit more to call, you know, and a little bit of mystery to it. Again, low. I, I think a, a round one wide receiver, like there's the, they're good football players. There's a lot of good football players. Clyde's a very good football player too. Um, one thing is like, I, I wonder how much they go back to the RPO game though. Honestly, like even more like, like I mean, I, I think you might see, cause like, I think they ran more RPOs in 2018 than they did in 2019. And I wonder if that's, you know, now that Clyde's, in the mix, I wonder if they go back to that. And I think the best version of this offense had them running a lot of those RPOs. And that's not like they didn't run them last year because they ran plenty. Yeah. But it just seemed like there was more design run plays last year than there was two years ago. Stephen N. McDowell asks, is Clyde uh, is Clyde or RB1 at the end of the season? Okay, here's a hot take. Clyde's RB1 at the beginning of the season. They are not drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to come back compliment Damian Williams. Damian Williams, you've been put on notice. You had a fantastic Super Bowl. He's the MVP for some people in the Super Bowl. Clyde's on notice, or Damian's on notice. Clyde is coming here to take the lion's share of the job, and it's going to push Damian. You got to remember, your best ability is your availability, and Damian Williams was not available for a large portion of the season. He turned it on at the end of the year, which was fantastic, and he was great, but the Chiefs needed that for 16 games last year. Clyde's here to bring it for 16 games. Do you want me to just keep moving on? Yeah, yeah. Unless he's hurt, yeah, he, he's RB1. Not a hot take that he's uh, going to be the day one starter. <laughs> not going to be? It's, no. not a, it's not a hot take that he's going to be. You said okay, hot take. Okay, just trying to live. Just trying to live. Will Clyde Edwards-Hilaire be as good as Kareem Hunt, Maddie? This is hard because Kareem Hunt was an excellent running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. He did everything very well. I caught a lot of heat from Chiefs fans from saying that I think he benefited a lot from the offense that he was in. So I think there is a very good chance that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can match that level of production and be a better receiver than Kareem Hunt. At the same time, Patrick Mahomes is also here. It's going to be hard to put up the same level of volume stats Kareem Hunt did because you have Patrick Mahomes. So it all depends on if you're looking at volume or just their pure ability on the field. I think he makes the offense as good as it was with Kareem there. So in that regard, yes. People, I think people don't realize that having a like stable presence at running back made this offense better. So uh, <laughs> I'm just saying 
Peter Wygolf, what do you think it will be like to have some speed on defense, Craig? I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> I, this is going to be great. They went out of their way to add as much speed as possible. We'll find out if any of them can play football particularly well at the next level. But I am excited to not have to watch the slowest people in the NFL chase after plays on the outside might have some plays that can be made by the players that they added this week. I mean, it's absolutely going to be different. I think it's a very common saying that if you're, you know, Mike linebacker slow, your defense is slow. And while the Chiefs didn't improve the speed at their Mike linebacker position, they sure put drafted a lot of speed around them on every other spot. So it's definitely going to be something fun to watch this year because we, we've gone a couple years without a whole lot of guys flying around to the football. You just had a lot more hard-nosed players. You're getting some speedier guys out there now. It's going to be a lot more fun. Synapse Truth, what pick from the AFC West teams will give the Chiefs trouble over the next few years? Well, thank goodness C.D. Lamb did not go to an AFC West team, so that made this answer really easy. Amik Robertson for the Raiders <laughs> is about to come in, and he is about to ha- single-handedly hand the Chiefs at least one loss a year over the next 10, 18 seasons. Yeah, no, it's not Amik. And it's not Damon Arnett. And it's not... <laughs> I don't know. I I think that if Justin Herbert figures it out, that he could give him trouble. I think he's got the highest potential for trouble because then that could mean that the Chargers could try to hang with the AFC West the you know, a little better, hang with the Chiefs a little better there. All these other wide receivers and speed and everything like that, it's nice. But until they've got people that are functionally capable of hanging with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, it's just not going to matter. I mean, Jerry Judy's a good football player. The Denver Broncos somehow got another good football player, uh, despite John Elway's best efforts. So, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, let's see here. Ba- Grave retainer. Based on the draft and the undrafted free agent signings, which Chiefs veteran roster spots are in jeopardy? Um, let's just like all pick one. Uh, I think Darwin Thompson is very much on notice uh, because I think, you know, Daryl Williams is way ahead of him in pass protection. They're not going to need any of, uh, you know, Darwin's ability in space the same way because they've got a guy that's better in space and better overall than him now in the first round. I think Daryl Williams is a better fit on special teams and pass protection. He does the dirty work and he has a really strong relationship with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Darwin Thompson, I think, is on notice. I mean, I think I already kind of said it. I think Breland Speaks is 100% on notice here. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, while they really only added my. Time out. Time out. I really like. There's a lot of people that come at me saying that there's still time for Breland Speaks to figure it out. There's not. He has until he has until the beginning of September to figure it out. Sorry. Are you good? So please stop sent please stop telling me Breland Speaks has time. He's halfway through his rookie contract. He hasn't done anything and he's got till September to prove that he's valuable enough for the Chiefs are going to move on from him. Sorry. Can I continue? 
Sure. Okay. Uh, so while it was really only adding Mike Dana, I think you just have some other guys coming in from last year plus his addition. Essentially, you are getting another draft pick from this regime that is now going to be competing directly for a roster spot in the same general part of the field as Breland speaks. I mean, one might play linebacker, one might play nose tackle, but they're still in the same general part of the field. So I think Mike Dana could push the coaching staff to have to choose between the two. And I think they would go with the younger guy, the newer guy that has maybe not shown some struggles so far in the pros i i think kent said it a couple questions ago it's it's damian williams like he his spot oh. is on notice i i damian think damian williams i think that the chiefs are gonna trade him to bill o'brien for a first round pick i mean if bill o'brien wants to give us a first round pick for damian williams <laughs> i will gladly take it but i think that the chiefs could shop him because frankly, I, I I wouldn't mind keeping him on the roster because I think his speed adds a little more. But if you listen to Brett Veach's comments and read between the lines a little bit, they were not happy with the way that the running backs ran behind that offensive line last year. I, I think they're excited for Clyde. I think they're excited to put him back there. I just think that maybe Damian Williams' time is, is a little bit uh, shorter here than we expected. This fan asks, would you have been more or less excited about the draft if it had been Zach Bond at pick 63? Honestly, I I probably would have been about the same because I think Bond has good projectability. He's not a bad athlete by any means. I think he's a sharp guy, too. I would have been very excited to get Zach Bond at 63 just as long as it wasn't Logan Wilson at 63. I was going to be okay with the linebackers. He, he went a couple the, picks later. I know he did, and that's that's terrifying to me. That Oh, man. But, yeah, I, I would have been fine with Bond. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the upside of Willie Gay is a little bit more, and maybe it's just a different kind of upside than with Zach Bond. I think Zach Bond would have been a little bit better this year in terms of picking up everything. I just have more, I have more confidence that he would pick up everything right away. But I think Willie Gay's upside and just his ability to legitimately turn and run sideline to sideline with any player, I think that is worth something. So while Zach Bond was definitely a higher rated player for me, I can get just as excited, if not more excited for Willie Gay's just pure ceiling. Yeah, there's a lot of projectability to Willie Gay. Um, I think I'm, and especially kind of digging in a little bit more on him. I'm pretty geeked out to see what he's up to. And, you know, he's still young, especially on the football field. He's a young football player. He's young on the football field, too. Fan is hardcore. What are your thoughts on undrafted free agent Brian Wright out of Cincinnati? I don't really have any thoughts on Brian Wright out of Cincinnati. I watched a few Cincinnati games this year to check out some linebackers, to watch Josiah Daguerre. I did not notice Brian Wright significantly one way or another. He is one of the undrafted free agents that's on the list, obviously, to watch. Just have not had a time yet as I'm still going through some of the actual draft picks. Jay Hoyt, 308. Does Daryl Williams' guaranteed contract mean (laughs) Austin Ryder is on the hot seat? No, it doesn't. I mean, as, as much as we'd all like to replace Austin Ryder, we like Darrell Williams. Darrell Williams is a good football player, but I don't think that his guaranteed contract means much of anything. Guys, Cody Thompson got a bunch of money from the Chiefs last year. Or was it Cody Thompson or which one? It was receiver? Jamal, Jamal Custis got a bunch of money. He didn't from get the- as much as these guys, though. He only got $100,000, I think. Yeah, Maybe it was one hundred fifty. I don't remember. But still, I, don't I, care. I just... <laughs> 
I, I think that it tells you how much they liked them as prospects, but I don't think it tells you how much that they're going to impact this team by any remote factor. Uh, you know, Daryl Williams, just so you know, uh, Brett Veach said that they thought about taking him in the fifth round too. So, I mean, you know, th- I think that's interesting. I think they thought about taking Yasir Durant in the fifth, young, r- fifth round too. Brandon 422, zooming out and looking at the draft as a whole, what does it tell you about what the organization thinks and is planning both short-term and long-term? But this goes back to what I was saying earlier. I actually think this draft was significantly more about the long-term besides Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which makes the biggest impact in the short term. I, like Craig said, I think you can make a case that Willie Gay does help a lot in the short term just by adding speed to the field. I just think there's going to be a little bit more of a time gap there before he's 100% ready, especially not ready to play, just ready to be a big impact player, especially in a shortened offseason. So I think they went out, they said, hey, we're running it back. In round one, we're going to take the guy that helps us be the most good to be better right now Clyde Edwards-Hiller is that easy pick. From then on, I think it was a lot of focus on the future. And I can easily see how every one of these picks might only get limited playing time or have a limited impact this year, but really start to turn it on next year. I just, I I think that they're prepping. I think they know that they needed cornerbacks. I think they know that they needed a swing tackle. If Niang's hip checks out, then my goodness, like we already talked about, that's that's a great draft pick. But I, I think that it's all stuff that you're looking for future there. So, yeah, like Maddie said, I think that this is a long-term thing knowing that they've got short-term wrapped up here. And I love it because, I mean, they don't need to add anything to the short-term. I know a lot of people wanted them to address guys that maybe could get on the field a little more. I am perfectly happy with taking athletes taking these guys with high ceilings and trying to develop them knowing that you've got a year or two before they need to come in. I think the most the two most pressing 2020 needs were addressed in the first two rounds as far as like like they could make the cornerback position better. And I think I and I think you know, you know they they want to look into address it on day 3. I think they I think they made running back better and I think they made linebacker better off the top. I think the rest of the draft was really a very 2021 focused draft and I think it was I think they did a fan, fantastic job addressing 2021. Um, but that's not to say Willie Gay and Clyde Edwards-Alaire aren't part of 2021, especially Gay. I think Gay is definitely going to continue to grow and develop as he's got a lot of projectability left. And I think the difference between taking him and taking a guy like Logan Wilson is you've got a lot of projection left in Willie Gay Jr. So um, I think is I think it's a mixture of both. And I think the UDFA class is definitely you know a real strong attempt to try to help find and develop some players with the hopes of being able to utilize them more in 2021 as well. Um, Nathan Swaffer asks, does Edwards Hilaire beat out Damien for the starting running back position? Do they split time? Who's in on what down? How do Daryl and Darwin fit into the equation? I know we already talked about the first part. I really kind of wanted to talk about, you know, maybe what the rotation looks like. Um, you know, those kind of things. Um, I think you're going to see Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the field a lot. And if Damian Williams is still on the field or still on the roster, he'll spell them. And that actually might be good for his body because he's not been able to, you know, hold up consistently for, um, you know, any length of time. You know, he showed up in the playoffs, but he didn't lead the team in rushing until the 83 yard run against the Chargers in week 17. It took him that long to become the team's leading rusher because he wasn't on the field much. He wasn't able to play much. So, 
Uh, expect expect Clyde to get the lion's share. They're going to run him into the ground for the next four or five years, and and you, I don't know if they're going to sign another deal. Yeah, I think that you'll see uh, Daryl Williams on some shorter yardage stuff, and he can be a decent third down back. If Darwin's still here, I think he can be a decent, you know, between you know a little bit more of a bursty, explosive guy. There, there are roles for him, but yeah, I would expect to see. By and large, Clyde edwards Hilaire out there the most out of any of these guys, and I don't think it'll be particularly close. All right, last one. Rubido asks, even if Clyde edwards Hilaire is a perfect fit for the offense, do you think it was the right pick to make it 32? Um, Yeah, I do. After seeing the rest of this draft, I, I, I really do. Christian Fulton's really the only guy that gives me pause here that I might wanted to have taken in that spot. I like the swings that they took at the end of the draft. They're not Christian Fulton. They're not ready to play yet, but I like the pieces that they were able to add and the ceiling that they were able to add. So yeah, I'm going to go with Clyde being the per, you know, the right pick at 32. Again, this goes back to my whole concept. I think the chiefs had a plan this off season. They had a very specific goal. They are trying to not necessarily get better in free agency, but returned the same team. They went to the draft next. The draft is where they wanted to get that one player that makes them better than last year. That player is a running back because it's the easiest transition. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, best running back, great fit. He instantly makes them better than any other draft pick would have been for this year. They could have realistically got at 32. I understand the long-term value at other positions. It's just, I think the Chiefs goal is to repeat a Super Bowl this year, and they are willing to take the you know slight future hit by doing so to get somebody like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire who helps the most right now. I think the totality of the draft makes Clyde Edwards-Hilaire all the more sense when and I said that with Pete today uh, when we did a little video I was like I think when you look at the totality of this thing Clyde Edwards Hilaire makes a lot more sense there's some players I definitely I think still probably would have liked um, but I 100% understand Clyde Edwards Hilaire and he makes so much sense when you look at it look at it from 10,000 feet and you know I I don't know if I value running back as highly as the cheese do necessarily but boy it's not taking much to convince me about Clyde Edwards Slayer because I love the player and I've, you know, he got one of my 10 My Guy stamps for a reason. I love Clyde Edwards Slayer. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I'm very content. I'm actually, you know, I think if in, in totality, this thing, it makes a lot of sense. It really does. All right, that is going to do it for the mailbag episode. We will be back later this week. We'll catch you later. <laughs>